Hey, good morning, Mercy Road, Carmel. I, I almost screwed that up first service because I'm used to saying, welcome, Mercy Road Northeast, but I'm not there. I'm here. So, hey, my name is Darren Earlywine, and I'm one of the teaching pastors in the Mercy Road family of churches, and it's so great to be back here at Carmel. Uh, was here uh, from the beginning of Mercy Road, and what I love about being a part of the Mercy Road family of churches is um, every time I come back, uh, they let me come back about twice a year here to be with you guys in Carmel, which uh, is an honor. I love it. Uh, but it's cool because every time I come back, it's like I see some people that I saw last time and I see some like the OGs that have been around, you know, for the whole deal. And then there's a bunch of brand new people that I've never seen your face before. And the cool part is uh, when I go to Northwest, that's happening. Uh, when I get a chance to go down and speak at downtown at the downtown campus, that's happening uh, at Northeast every single week. I feel like we just have tons of brand new first time families and first time guests that join us. And, uh, and now that, that we've launched Anderson, it's just so cool to see um, what God is doing and to, to see the leadership of Mercy Road uh, through Pastor Josh and, and the board through all these years to just embrace, uh, to really, well, first to reject a scarcity mindset of the church, right? That there's a scarcity of opportunity, the scarcity of people. We need to conserve. We need to constrict that. But say, you know what, God? We believe there's an abundance that you want to do in the kingdom of God. And so we're just going to take the risk and see how you show up. And he's done that for, for over a decade. So stoked to be back with you guys. Last time I was here, uh, this wasn't out yet. I wrote a book uh, in the past year and a half. It just came out in October. It's called The Death of a Dream, Resurrecting Purpose and Life Doesn't Go as Planned. I'm going to talk to you about it today. Uh, if you want a copy of it, uh, you can get one. Uh, I just texted my wife and said I had really uh, not enough faith this morning because uh, I only brought like two boxes of books and they're almost gone uh, because First Service bought a bunch of them. So uh, now I'm being rebuked for having small faith and, um, and if I run out, <laughs> you can always buy it on Amazon or wherever you uh, get books online. But, um, you know, I, I love... Um, I love the Bible. I love to read the Bible. And I love that it guides and directs me in truth. But what I don't like about it is when I find passages of Scripture that I just don't emotionally like. Right? You ever been there? Where it's like, it's the Bible, it's true, but I don't like what this says at all. I'm there often. And I really hate it when it's the words of Jesus. Because then you really can't, you know, if you get with the Paul or Peter Scripture or something in the Old Testament, you'd be like, well, it's Old Testament. I don't know if I'm really going to apply that to my life, right? You can, you have some wiggle room, but you don't, but you think you do. But when it's Jesus, you're like, it's Jesus. How am I going to argue with Jesus? And I don't like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, okay? He says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. I don't know. Uh-uh. Zero. I don't agree. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Anybody feel like that feels good to you? Not me. I, like, I wish I said this. You're like, for me, you know what blessed is? Bahama vacation. Amen, right? Praise God. Let's just take an offering and get out of here, okay? That's it. Like, that's what I wanted to say. You're blessed when you're on a beach in the Bahamas because I agree. And I wish that was what Jesus said all the time and that's all that happened, but it's not. And I don't know that I've ever been at the end of my rope and been like, "Woo, blessings just keep falling on me. Right? Like you, you think you may fail your finals coming up and you may not graduate in the rope. Right? Like you're in marital counseling. The last session two weeks ago went really bad and you think it's getting worse into the rope. 
Like you're here and we're glad you're, you're, you're glad you're here, but it's tough for you to focus because you're still really hung over from Friday. But you promised I was going to, I'm, I'm taking, I'm going to take it easy. I'm, so I'm going to control it, right? Control it. You're trying to figure out, do we have to send her to like boarding school or something? Because what's happening with our kid is, I'm into the, I'm at the end of the rope. Sales quotas were what they were supposed to be, and I'm doing all the stuff I regularly do, but it's not happening. And my boss just told me we're going to have a conversation on Monday when I get back to work. End my rope. And Jesus, you're telling me that I'm blessed when I'm here? I'd like a second opinion. The good thing is that God, Jesus doesn't just throw that out there and walk away. He hits us with this. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of the rope because there's less of you and more of God. Contrary to popular emotion, it's always a good thing when it's less of you and more of him. But it always feels worse. Because you know what you and I really like to be? Our own God. Don't we? Don't you like being in charge of you? Right? How many of you just love being told no? But God says, here's the deal. You're blessed because I know what I'm doing. You don't. I, I actually created you on purpose and for a purpose, and I am guiding your life. When you've come into a relationship with me, you have become the workmanship of Christ Jesus, created him to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. And he knows where he's taking you. So here's, here's the good thing. You're blessed when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, because in that time, you may be able to let me in, to let me be God and you be you, and you be loved and you be guided and you be led to what I really want to do in your life. That's actually a blessed place. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, about the detours, the dead ends, the defining moments that get us there. And, and I hope that, that, um, that God does something special in your, in your heart this morning. Jesus, thanks for the day. Thanks for this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to be in your presence and hear your word. I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and minds to understand and to apply this truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dreams, they're, they're fragile, they're dicey, they're scary, right? They're fragile. Anybody have dreams as a kid? Something big, big, you just, you, this was my dream. I wanted, I wanted to be, what'd you want to be when you were a kid? Yes, you, you, you raised your hand, yes. Astronaut, 
Have you been in space recently? No. Okay. All right. Anybody over here? You had a dream? Childhood dream? Now no one's going to raise their hand. Oh, we're going to be talking, right? I got to do it for 30 minutes. I'm asking you for a 10th. Right there. What do you want to do? Archaeologist. Are you being an archaeologist right now? Okay. All right. Any dreams in this section? Getting dreamers? Big dreams? Little dreams? Childhood dreams? What do you want to do? Commercial art. Are you doing commercial art? Okay. Thank you. All right. What do you want to do? Huh? A mermaid. How are the how are the fins? Are they? Are you still breathing through your lungs? Okay. Well, we've had them. We all have them, right? And sometimes they're mermaid type dreams. But some of us had very very like big but attainable dreams, right? And and, and we may have grown up in a home where people said, "Hey, chase those dreams, right? You can be what you want. Trust God." So you wanted to be a mom. You got married, and you started taking steps to become a mom, and you're still not a mom. Right? You, you always wanted to own your own business, and so, so you did, and you started it, right? And it was great, and you, everybody was proud of you, and you were doing it, and you were like, people would be like, hey, how's the business? And you were like, living the dream. And then COVID happened. And you don't have a business anymore. I just, I just wanted to have a family, raise my kids. I just want to be married once. And then you have a story. And now you're not. I was going to go to college. I was going to graduate. I was going to do this. And then... My GPA fell below what it needed to be, and the college was like, hey, if you just want to drink beer, you can just do that at your own house. You don't have to be here at school. I don't know all that we have, but here's what I know. I've lived for 45 years now, and I don't know that I've ever met anybody after we have a conversation for a few minutes that, that if they get vulnerable and honest, that they don't have some kind of death of a dream in their life. This is how I thought my life was going to be. This is what I wanted my life to be. This is what I thought it should have been. And the really dicey part is when it comes to this. This is what I actually thought God wanted from my life. And it's dead. It's gone. It's over. And then Jesus comes in and says, hey, I want you to know you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Because with less of you, there's more of me and and my role in your life. Detours. That's where it usually starts. We get dreams, find ourselves on a detour. In the book, and this morning, I'm going to walk you guys through the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you don't know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, that's okay. I'm going to teach you some of it this morning. If you're brand new and you're like, just trying to do the church thing, Darren, don't know who Joseph is. No problem at all. We're going to get to know them this morning, okay? If I tell you that the story's in the book of Genesis, and you go, don't even know what that freaking means. No problem, okay? I had a great moment a couple weeks ago at Mercy Road Northeast, and um, I was speaking and got a chance to play drums that week and, and, and on the worship team. And so I'm back in the green room with one of our new uh, musicians there at Northeast, and we're talking, and he's like, hey, Pastor Darren, he's like, so I started reading the Bible. I was like, that's phenomenal, bro. Great. 
He's like, yeah. He's like, I had a question for you. He's like, what language was the Bible written in? I was like, well, the Old Testament's written this, New Testament's written in these languages. And he's like, all right, so help. Like the New Testament, like that's the Jesus stuff, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, the New Testament is the Jesus stuff, right? But I just loved it. Is this guy who's finding, you know, a connection to Christ. He's joined the worship team over at Northeast, playing his instrument, right? And here he is just trying to figure it out. And if you're here this morning and you're still trying to figure it out, like I said, you don't know the Old Testament, New Testament, you don't know who Joseph is, you don't know where Genesis is at, and you're like, is this a place that I can be like at home? Yes. I want to promise you this. I don't think ever in the 10 years or so we've been a church that we've ended a service and like passed out quiz sheets, right? To get a passing grade on, do you know all the Bible information today? Okay, there's no quiz, there's no test after, right? And, and, and Josh and the, and the founders of this church, right? They really wanted this church to be a place that, that, that let people know that we don't believe anybody's ever too far away from God to experience life change through Jesus, right? And we want this to actually be like a, a, a hospital for sinners, people that are, that are in the process of being healed and transformed by Jesus, rather than like a, a museum of people who think they're perfect, okay? So if you don't know Joseph, if you don't know New, Old Testament, New Testament, let's learn together, right? So we're in, um, we're in Genesis, what chapter are we in here? 37, great chapter. And we meet Joseph. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Good start. Good start, right? Got a great family dynamic here, okay? Little backstory, Joseph, youngest brother, like his dad, is, he's his favorite, and they know it. They know dad loves Joseph more than everybody else. Dad even makes him like a technicolored, like dream coat thing he wears. He thinks he's special. They hate him. They get it, right? And then Joseph makes it better because now he starts having dreams, okay? Let's get into his dreams. He tells it to his brothers. They hate him all the more. He said, hey, listen, guys. Listen, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, it rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Isn't it great, guys? Don't you love my dream? Right? No, they didn't love his dream. And it's not like this is like coming off with a lot of humility. Hey, guys, I'm really confused. I had this dream. Can you help me understand it? It was like, came out with the coat. Hey, <laughs> bow down. <laughs> Joseph here. Hello. Right? They hated him. And does anybody remember them as an idiot young kid, right? I'm so glad they didn't have cell phones that recorded videos of that kind of nature when I was 17, right? Because Joseph was a young guy, and I was real sure of myself at that point, and Joseph is too, and you probably were, right, before life kicked your teeth in a couple of different times. But he's got all this passion, all these dreams, then he has another dream, right? He says another dream. Tells it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. This time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. We've taken it to a next level. When he tells it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this in mind. We've all had dreams. And I think some of the most difficult ones are, are when we actually feel like maybe they were from God. Which I think this is where Joseph was. Like, it's like, man, I just feel like maybe this is from God here. Like, I'm seeing this stuff. And depending on what kind of household you grew up in, maybe it was, maybe it was a little dicey like Joseph here. And, and the reality is some of us, 
Our dream died before it ever got life because we had something we felt like God put in us to do that we always wanted to do, but our family and the people closest to her were haters. Or they were jealous. Or they were abusive. They didn't see in you what you saw and what God saw. And so you said, I want to be this. I want to do this. And then you're not smart enough to do that. Go get a real job. Nobody in our family fill in the blank. Sometimes our, our dreams died before they lived because people hated on us like that. And we chose to believe them instead of God. Other times, though, we chased after it and we maybe pursued it, like I said earlier, and things begin to happen and we find ourselves on detours where we go, man, I, this is not the way I saw this working out, right? I thought I was pursuing the life and it was going to be this and now I'm, I'm way over here, right? And, and I'll be honest, and I'm with you guys, I hate detours. Anybody just get so excited when they see a detour sign driving somewhere? <laughs> not me, Right? Anybody else like to try to beat the GPS projection of when you arrive somewhere? Praise God, right? Right? Comes up there 415. Well, I bet it's not. I bet it's not. Watch, watch, right? And you're driving, you're, you know, maybe not the speed limit, right? You've passed that suggestion up with the better suggestion, which is beat 415, right? And you see it's like 414, 413, 412, sucker, right? And as you're going, you're like, I've done it. It's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, orange sign that says, you're screwed, right? Now, right? Detour. I've never gotten on a detour and been like, this is a blessing. Love it. I'd love to go down this cornfield and six, five you know, miles away the other way and show up God knows where. Wonderful. It's not my desired location. I would have chosen it. And that happens in life all the time. We find ourselves on detours, right? They're a long roundabout route that's taken to avoid something or visit somewhere along the way that we probably don't want to go. What I found in my life and what we find in Joseph's life is that there are a couple options. Two of them are this. God is actually in control of everything or you're alone. Make it up yourself. What we find in this story, what I've discovered in my story, and I hope you discover, is that you're not alone ever, right? And God is actually God, and he's in control, and he's actually for you, not against you. And he's actually created you on purpose and for a purpose, and he's guiding you along. And sometimes he needs to take you on a detour, because what he knows is that if you were left in charge, there's no way you would choose that. Back to Joseph. Back to Joseph. So Joseph goes to find his brothers in verse 17, verse 18. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. This is getting better and better in their home. Here comes that dreamer, they say. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes from him in his dreams. Let me fill in some of the backstory here. One of his brothers steps up and goes, guys, that's ridiculous. We're not killing our brother. We're not murderers. We've got morals. We've got standards. We're not killing our brother. But we could sell him into slavery. I mean, I'm cool with that, right? So let's throw him in this pit, and we'll wait till somebody comes, and we'll sell him. And we'll sell him for like 20 shekels of silver. Sounds good. Everybody cool. Let's not kill. Let's just sell him into slavery. Very compassionate brothers. Thanks, guys. All right? So if you're here today and you feel like, well, I need prayer, Darren. We have some really big things happening in our home right now. Kids are off the rails I don't know that God can be at work in our family. If no one has attempted murder or selling of a sibling, okay, 
you're, you're way ahead of a great Bible story here, okay? So there is hope, and God is at work, okay? So when some Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 seconds of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Detour. Got this dream, going to be in charge here, my people, my family. You guys bow down, think it's from God. I'm now a resident of Egypt? I don't know anybody here. I don't know anything here. God, how, what is, what is this? What, what is this? I grew up in Arizona, loved Arizona, still love Arizona. Everything's great about Arizona. There's mountains, there's sunsets, there's sunshine, there's sunshine. <laughs> and, uh, and then God got, got moving in my life. And I, I, I found a detour. And, and, and the process started when I was a little kid. Uh, I found out in about third grade the dream of my entire life. I wanted to be a drummer in a band. And the way I found this is, is my brother and I, we went to a Christian bookstore uh, to look for some, some music. And we found these guys. Okay? Striper. All right? <laughs> One of the greatest rock bands the world has ever seen. We went. We saw this tape. Okay? We found this tape for Striper. Anybody remember tapes? Right? Tapes. Let me help you out. For those of you who don't know about tapes, okay, before you could just digitally download music out of thin air, right, uh, and before, before that, before you did that, we, we would steal it from people digitally. <laughs> Remember that? Back in college, guys. And then um, prior to that, there were CDs, and then prior to CDs, there were these things called tapes, okay? So we had to go get a tape. We got a tape, brought it to my parents, and we had it like, listen, can we get this? And they were like, absolutely, 100%, no, right? Because my dad was a pastor. We were Christians. And he didn't know who Striper was. Maybe there's a scripture, but look at the hair. There's earrings. There's makeup involved. That's definitely spandex. Lots of guns, right? So we went and found another tape. That one, that one was called Soldiers Under Command. We went and found, don't go there yet. We went and we found, we found the, the, band, the, the tape called To Hell With The Devil. That was what the, the album was called. What about this one, Mom and Dad? To Hell With The Devil. They were like, to hell no. You're not getting that one, right? Somehow, over the next couple of weeks, we convinced mom and dad that we could buy the striper tape, get the striper tape, bring it home. My life has changed. I'm getting pencils. I'm playing on pillows and stuff, and I could play drums. I was like, this is it. God put me on earth to be a drummer. I'm going to do this. So I started to do everything I could to become like Robert Street from Striper, and then I discovered these guys. This is Motley Crue, okay? Now, their message was a little different, right? Striper was like, to hell with the devil. You know, Motley Crue was like, well, shout out the devil, and we'll have a little party with the devil, right? And the thing that was tough for me is I wanted in my heart to be like... Like Striper, but then the cool thing about Tommy Lee, he was so freaking cool, right? And he had a drum riser, and it spun in the air, and it was so cool, and he spun his sticks, and he had amazing cars, and all this money, and tons of girlfriends, and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I don't know, God, what the dream is, but I kind of want to be both of those guys, and the problem was I'm having all these dreams, and this is what I look like, okay? Rocking a sweater vest like Pastor Josh right there. And I'm just kidding, Josh. I don't think you wear sweater vests anymore. God bless you. I don't know if my dad's a state trooper or a pastor. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. Rocking that stash. No offense, anybody's got a good stash. I, I respect it, right? Is, and I have my hair. My dad for sure gave me that haircut. But it's like the back's kind of sticking up. I don't know what the front's doing, right? But that is not a rock star or even a future one, right? I don't know what that is. But it was trying to figure it out. It started pursuing it with everything I had. All my life was poured into becoming a drummer, chasing this thing. And then God led me on a detour. <clears throat> and it was called Indiana. Right? I got in a truck. I drove all the way across the country. 
landed in a town called Marin, Indiana. And I got there and people were like, hey, welcome to the armpit of America. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> right? I just left the Valley of the Sun. And we have places called Paradise Valley, right? And then these Marian people are like, yo, we call Marion the armpit of America. <laughs> I was like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? <laughs> Went there, chased after this dream, and, and I never would have chosen Indiana. I never would have chosen Marion. I never would have chosen that, right? But God said, here's the deal, Darren. We got a little bit of a detour. I know the dream I put in your heart, but, but it's going to go a little bit of a different direction than you were thinking. And if you're on a detour this morning and you feel hopeless, you feel like, oh, I don't know about this, I want you to know this. The good news about detours is you never take them alone. You see, if, if you have never driven prior to having GPS, you, you remember what it's like. Remember when we had maps? And maybe you were driving somewhere and you got on a detour and you were by yourself and you were lost and you had to pull over the side of the road and turn the map, the light on and look, try to figure out from a map where the heck you are at and how you get back to where you need to go, right? That was an emotional distressing situation. For those of you that have lived in the GPS era, right, you never feel lost, right? You never have that because it's like, I'm gonna put it in the thing, turn left, right? You're like, okay, here we go. But back in those days, it, it would have been really good to know that I'm not alone, right? And, and, and basically, a lot of ways, well, what I want you to know is this, is the way that we rely on GPS and the way that GPS gives us a sense of comfort that no matter where I'm at, I'm never actually totally lost and I'm never alone. That's what Jesus can bring into your life. If you're on a detour this morning, I didn't see it happening like this. I, didn't, I would not have ordered. This seems like the long way around. I didn't expect to go to college for six years but you're going to. You just figured that one out. You're on a detour. I want you to know this. You're not alone. We pick up Joseph's story, right? Joseph's taken to Egypt, detour. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse two is the key here. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the God gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. If you're on a detour today, I want you to know, know this. God is with you, right? Even though life's not fair, because it's not. Have you noticed that? I wish it was, but I want you to know this. Life's not fair and it's never gonna be. Life's not fair, but you're not alone in it. And here's a great thing, is grace is actually in charge of the, of, of the game. You know what's the most unfair thing the world has ever seen? Grace. Right? Jesus came up with grace, and, God, and Jesus' grace came into existence through the cross and through the empty tomb, right? If there's anything that's the most unfair thing that's ever happened on planet Earth, it's that Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, was crucified. That's unfair. But it introduced this understanding of grace that the unearned, unmerited, undeserved, unbuyable, unearnable forgiveness, love, favor of God. Life's not fair, 
but grace is real and you're not alone in this detour. Where's it taking you? I don't know. God does. God knew where he was taking Joseph. Problem is this. You may be on a detour, maybe you've taken a detour in your life on the dreams you're pursuing, and sometimes it settles down a little bit and things start to kind of chill, like Joseph. Okay, I didn't think it was Indiana. I didn't think it was this, whatever your story is, but you know what? Things have calmed down. You're right, God is with me. I am prospering. Okay, I can get down with being an Egyptian. This will work. And you think, I think it's all gonna work out. No more problems, just a subtle detour. And then sometimes you find yourself at a dead end. Joseph. Joseph's settling in, in charge of everything. All right, God, you've been with me. I'm going to do it your way, God. Live in your dreams. Potiphar's wife's like, Joseph, you are a handsome bro. And uh, what do you say we become, how do they say, more than friends? And Joseph says, nope, listen, I'm not going to dishonor God. I'm not going to dishonor my master. Uh, You're married. That's not the way we do this. I'm not going to be more than friends. I got to go. Resists temptation, runs away from her, and she doesn't like it. Accuses him of sexual assault. And Joseph finds himself in verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Dead end. And then, no, wait a second here, God. I had this dream. I thought it was from you. People are going to bow down. I was going to be in charge. Things are going to be great. Then it's, oh, a detour to Egypt. We're going to go to Egypt. But okay. All right, God, you're still with me. I get it. I'm going to be in charge here. Eventually, something's going to work out. I'm following you. I'm doing the things. I'm going to church. We gave some money away. I'm, I'm, we're trying to this, right? I'm doing the Lent fast thing, whatever it is, God. I'm doing the Jesus-y stuff. And then this I'm falsely accused of sexual assault and put in jail for years. He was there for years in a dead end. Who are people bowing down to me? How does this work? Where are you? What is it? Really? Some of you aren't in a detour. You're in a dead end. You know, we... we, uh, we started going to church. We got into counseling. And uh, saw a little light in the tunnel there, but uh, yeah, six months ago, she uh, served me with divorce papers. Dead end. Yeah, you know, I, I, I got into rehab, and things were going well, and I think it was really, things were, I think it was going to turn around there, and then, uh, yeah, had a pretty strong relapse, and I got fired, and now I don't have a job. Dead end. We, we had the business going. It was great. I mean, God was with us. You know what I mean? We had a little, like, you know, cross on the front door of the business. Things were great. We had, year after year, we were going about you know, 25%. Then COVID hit, and uh, I still don't really, I had I still don't know what I'm doing. I thought God gave us that business. Now it's gone. It's dead. Dead end. We all have something where we find ourselves there. And, and in those moments, man, it's, it's difficult because it's tough to not... Um, <clears throat> It's tough to not allow those dead ends to kill us inside, to where bitterness, regret, anger, 
begin to take over and, and redefine us. For me, I was the, we were on the detour, went to Indiana. Things went great, put a band together, started traveling around the world, around the nation at least, talking to record company. I was like, this is amazing. You just do what God wants you to do. Even if it's Indiana, praise God, he's going to make it happen. Live in my dreams. And then I went to bed one night, and I woke up the next morning because there were cops knocking on my door. And I said, uh, yes, officer. And he said, you need to come next door because there's been a robbery at the house next door. I was like, that's not good because all the guys in the band live next door in that house. Came in, the house was kind of ransacked, and they said, hey, guys, listen, the only thing missing from this house is some cash, and uh, we think one of you guys faked this robbery. And there had been some weird stuff going on in our group, and we thought, um, you know what? Um, we told the cops, we agree with you. Because we knew that one of the members in our band, and this confirmed it, had been lying and stealing from us. And three months from graduating college, when we were going to sign this record deal, move to Nashville, was going to live the dream, it was going to happen, boom, it's dead, it's over, it's not happening. I spend the summer as a census taker. Anybody been a census taker? That was a, that was a rock star job right there, I'll tell you what. You walk around Marion, Indiana, how many names Darren Lee from the Census Bureau? How many people live here? Right? And they always answer you with, like, blessings on you. Thank you for coming to my front door, right? <laughs> Dead, of, dead, dead dream, and um, hey, God, remember when I moved and you know, risked it all, was doing this for you, and then this, told, this is this nothing? Dead end. When you find yourself in a dead end moment, that's where mine was. Joseph had his, you've had yours. It, it's, it, can be fun, it can become a very defining season. And I want you to know that God isn't mad at you. He doesn't send you there to somehow be punitive, and, and he's not like, ha, 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 your life sucks. But what I have found in my life and in Joseph's life is that as we get to these dead-end moments, they are moments that, that can be used to refine and transform us into the kind of person we need to become to carry the weight of the calling he has on our life. I don't know about you. I've, I've rarely learned anything really, really valuable in my, in, in my life during the good times. How about you? Tell you what, things were great, just up and to the right. I was getting promoted, everything was wonderful, and I was just making great, huge changes in my life, right? Usually, when everything's going great, you're kind of like, I actually am as good as I think I am. <laughs> then something happens, you find yourself in a dead end, and before you know it, God begins to actually purge and refine the things in you that need to change so you can become the kind of person that he can trust with the future. So what he did with Joseph, we see it as we fast forward through the story, and I'm running out of time because I tell too many stories. Joseph's in prison for two years, and in that time, what we see through some different interaction, God continues to bless. He's in charge of the whole prison, but we see his character begin to shift. We see humility come in and begin to define his life. We see dependency on God consistent. And then he's given a moment where he comes to what we call a defining moment. You may have a defining moment coming up soon. And as you come to these defining moments, they can be great things, they can be difficult things, but you come to these defining moments, and what I love about Joseph is, is let me give you the quick overview, is, is Pharaoh has a dream, and they find out that, that Joseph actually has divine ability to interpret dreams. So they call Joseph, they say, Joseph, can you interpret this dream? And the answer we get from Joseph shows what God did during this dead-end season for his life, is Joseph doesn't step up and say, yeah, yeah, I can, been doing it since I was young, right? If you're looking for a term, a dream interpreter, ta-da, I'm the guy. It's about time you guys realize who you had in jail, right? That's not what Joseph says. He says this, no, I can't. I can't do it. But God can. 
This God who led me on this detour, this God who's been with me through this tired dead end, this God that even when life wasn't the way I wanted to and it didn't seem fair, this God was with me and this God's for me and, this, and God has given me these abilities. So I can't do it, but God can. Joseph interprets the dream. Pharaoh puts him in charge of all of Egypt because what Joseph did know when he jumped on the detour in the first place is that what God knew, what God knew is there was a famine that was going to come to the land and it was going to kill everyone. And God, being true to his promise, knew he needed to raise up a leader that he could trust with the authority of the entire basic known world. That he had the character to sustain that type of calling where he could actually lead Egypt to, to, to be in such a place of responsibility with food that they could save their people and save all of God's people as well. And so when we get to these moments, I believe that God is asking us, listen, here's, here's what I want to let you know. I want to invite you into a macro-sized vision for your life. You've had a micro-sized dream, and usually the dreams we start off with are pretty micro. They're usually how we're going to do something to be happy for ourselves and achieve the kind of life we want. And what God says is, here's what I want to know. If you follow my detour, could you become the kind of person that I could trust with a macro God-sized dream, like the kind of dreams that God's dreaming right now, that he's looking for someone to have the character and the dependency to trust with his ideas. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for who you are and the dreams that you have for our life. God, undoubtedly, um, this room is filled with dreamers. This room is filled with people on a detour. This room is filled with people that feel like they're on a dead end and they feel like they've been there for a long time. And I pray, God, that right now you would help them to sense your nearness. Let them know they're not alone. Life's not fair, but they're not alone. Grace is in charge and you are guiding and directing. Father, the things in their life that they just feel like this is just a wasted season. That was a wasted this. This was a wasted this. I pray, God, that you would give them the confidence that in you that nothing is wasted. It's all being woven together, Father, the plan that you have for our life. Because Father, the word of God tells us that you have created us on purpose and for a purpose. That we are the workmanship of God created in you to do good works, which you prepared in advance for us to do. So I pray, God, that you would help us to choose forgiveness for maybe people that have contributed to us finding ourselves where we are right now. I pray that you would lead us to choose forgiveness for ourselves where we may have contributed defining ourselves where we are. That we might even have to, to forgive you, Father, that, that, that you haven't actually done anything wrong to us, but we, we see it. We, we've got to let go of that so we can come to trust you in a new way. And God, I pray through that, that you would begin the process of transforming us from the inside out. We might become the person that could handle the weight of the calling you have for us because you have called us so God, I just pray for a resurrection of purpose in the lives that are filling this room today. And as a result, I pray that we would join you in creating the future that's currently on your heart and your mind. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.